0: You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life.
1: weeks. Uh, we talked about how, uh, in particular, this, this area of finances keeps us weighed down. Uh, we've been talking about, we talked about money, and we talked about debt, in particular, how debt enslaves us. And uh, just, if you're here for the first time, or the second time, or the third time, we just want you to know, as a, as a, as a fellowship, what right now we're doing is we're going through a, a program called Financial Peace University. How many of you are going through Financial Peace University? All right. How we doing? <laughs> hey. We're 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 getting there. We're making it work. How many of you guys have your envelope with the cash? Come on. Let's go cash system. How many cut up some credit cards? All right. Let me get a amen if you cut up some credit cards. All right. We have one really loud amen from Joanne Duffin. How many did you have? Four credit cards. Come on, girl. Nice. Um, How many of you guys are, how many of you guys went this past Tuesday night? All right. How many went Wednesday night? Good. Singles. How are we doing, singles, with FPU? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I need to check up. We need to check. See how things are going. Uh, This program has been an incredible resource for so many of us who have gone through it or are going through it right now because it's giving us tools on how to manage and steward what God has given us uh, and how to do it in a, in a righteous and healthy way uh, and not allow debt to chain us down. I do want to give a special shout-out, uh, to, and I want to just thank uh, many of our singles and our college students who are coming on Tuesday nights uh, to serve in child care, to help us with the children on Tuesday nights so that your married brothers and sisters and single parents can go through the program. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. <clears throat> in particular, I really wanted to lift up Timmy Branson. Uh, Timmy Branson comes on Tuesday nights to help oversee the child care. Then she goes on Wednesday nights because she's a shepherd in the uh, uh, singles ministry. She already went, her and her husband already went through the, pro, uh, the program, and uh, she's going Every Tuesday night, every Wednesday night, just to help, to serve, and so I really want to lift up Timmy. She's right back there, and I just want to thank you, Timmy. And her husband Miles came off the bench today to lead some songs, so that was awesome. Come on, Miles. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to a lot of our uh, leadership group and shepherding group that went through the program earlier in the year and are now going through it again, just showing up on Tuesday nights to either help with childcare or going on Wednesday nights to help shepherd and, and just be a presence and example, I want to thank you so much for uh, those of us, those of you who went through it, are going through it a second time around, uh, just to really encourage your brothers and sisters. So let's give our leadership group a, a round of applause there and thank them for that. What do I got here? Oh, sidebar, tangent. We have uh, a new rotation of guest experience ministries coming up. That's our ushering ministry, our parking lot ministry. If you want to sign up for that, please go outside. You can actually do this on your phone or do this online. There's a sign-up uh, thing right here. You can sign up. Uh, but we really encourage you to sign up to help serve on our Sunday morning services. Um, it goes a long way, and it helps in a, ton, a, ton, a ton. So you can go outside afterwards. To the, there's a booth right there, and sign up online. Or you can go uh, to our website or mobile device and uh, find out more information there. Okay. Should we just pass this around right now? Maybe we should just pass this around and have everybody just sign it up since it's mobile. Is that Javier? Is that what you were wanting me to do? You want everybody to sign up right now? Okay, take out your phone. uh, We can pass this around later. We'll pass this around with communion. Okay. Um, We have chains that weigh us down. God wants us to live life to the full. Uh, this is what he wants for our life. And uh, we talked lately about um, how uh, our desire for instant gratification, the one, the one marshmallow. We're okay with the one marshmallow, but we don't want to wait for the two marshmallows. You guys remember that lesson during Harvest Fest? We, we, our desire for instant gratification versus delayed gratification chains us down. Our pride. We've done two lessons on pride. And how our pride keeps us weighed down because we're unwilling to admit that God has a better plan, a better idea uh, for our lives, and um, or we're unwilling to understand that He's given us everything. We are merely uh, a steward; it is temporary, and we will be held accountable. One of the things um, that we want to talk about today, and I got my friends up here. Uh, one of the ways that we can be held back from experiencing God's will and freedom is looking back at our lives at times with regret or sadness, or fear of our past, of what has already happened, and we call this uh, grief. And some of our grief sometimes can lead actually to uh, numbing out that grief because you don't want to deal with it by being addicted to different chemical substances. And so we're going to talk about the chains of grief and addiction today, and we're going to have a conversation about it, okay? So instead of me presenting everything here, we're going to have a conversation. So I brought... Uh, some of our, one of our brothers and two of our sisters up here uh, to share with us. And first we have Sherry Lugo. Everybody say hi to Sherry. Is this working yet? Is it? It's not working? Something wrong with it? Okay. Do we have another mic
2: here?
3: Can share. We,
1: can share. we can share?
3: Oh, you guys can share? Okay.
1: Cool. Jason Rain, everybody. Jason Rain, everybody. Right here. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh,
2: perfect.
3: There we go. Don Russell, right here. Big Miles, right here. You guys feel like it's a lot easier when I do the
2: talk show. There we go. That's what we're
1: trying to go for. Okay, Sherry. Hi. Good
4: morning, Sherry.
3: Good morning. Can everybody say hi, Sherry? Hi, everyone. Christian disciple for 19 years. I've been married for 16 of those years.
1: Okay. And where's your awesome husband? My awesome husband is in the back.
3: There you go. transitions. A lot of
1: transitions. Sherry is a certified um, Greek recovery specialist. And uh, we, there's a Greek recovery institute that trains people to uh, lead this program. So she and her husband uh, do this. Um, so she's going to be sharing some things here today. And then we have here uh, Susan Dominguez. Hello.
0: Hello. Susan. Mm-hmm. All right. So Susan, how long have you been a Christian? I've been a Christian for 14 years. Um, I've been here for five years. Five years.
1: Are you
0: married? I am married to my wonderful husband, Chris Dominguez.
1: Chris right there, Come on. And do you have any children?
0: I have one adorable little boy who just turned two. What's his name? Cruz Metal Dominguez. What a cool
4: name. <laughs> Come on, Metal Cruz Metal Dominguez. <laughs> What's their flowers?
0: I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, specifically, I work with families who have an open case with DCFS. Okay,
2: awesome.
1: And then we have a brother here, Evan Stefanel. So
2: everybody Evan right here. Hey. Now, Evan, how long have you been a Christian?
4: Um, well, I've been a Christian 21 years. Um, 20 20 years. 20 years. How long have yeah. you been uh, On and off, probably 19 years okay, uh, from off. Cerritos. Charitas to here, kind of oh. joining in the whole South region. But I call it, this is home, so 19 <laughs> years here. Right. Yeah, That's awesome. I, and now are you married as well? Yep, I'm married to my beautiful wife right there, Woo-hoo. Sandy. Sandy, And I got, yep, yeah, uh, Satu- Saturday, Friday. Friday, ooh. Whoa. 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 That's part of the... And then I have two boys. One is Simon, who is 16, right there on the team. And Seth is over there, who is 14, on okay. the team ministry. i part
2: of the team ministry. That's great. Now, Edmund, um,
1: for many of you who don't know, uh, is now uh, in our region of church. We have a program called the Chemical Recovery Program. And Edmund is now leading that program uh, for our whole Coastal Lake region. And um, just... Started leading it uh, just a few, uh, just what, like a month ago or a few months ago? A couple of months already, it
4: seems fast, but yeah, two okay. months already.
1: Gotcha. And then um, let me just, can I just ask you real quick about chemical recovery? Like what? Uh, what is your conviction, what's your passion regarding this program in particular?
4: Well, um, as all of us know, there's a lot of scriptures says about uh, broken, being broken, and that's kind of part of, uh, a lot of us are broken, but with myself, uh, I struggled as a young kid at uh, 13, I started using and that goes on through through until I was 27 when I was baptized and and because of that, uh, it's like, yeah, I thought I was fine. And so after 10 years, I still didn't deal with my heart. and then 10 years ago I, I went through CR, chemical recovery, um, and it helped me deal with the underlying issue that wasn't dealt with. Yes, we were I was forgiven, but, uh, the, but it wasn't healed, so that helped me heal throughout, and um, I was able, I owe CR uh, my family, I was able to be uh, a father, a husband, and, and just a brother to uh, everyone here. Cool, that's
1: great. Right. Um, okay, you guys ready to get into this a little bit? All right, here we go. Um, so we're talking about grief. We're talking about um, addiction. These kind of things. So let me ask. Uh, go to Sherry here. What if you were to define, give a definition to grief? What is what is it? How what can what defines grief? What is grief? Well,
3: I, I, one of the things that I'm thankful for is actually it's a pretty simple definition. But we, or society, our environment has really, like, made it this taboo. However, it's very simple. It's a, actually a very normal, natural reaction to loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not weird or bad. It's just normal, natural to react to loss and to grieve. But also, it's it's when you start to think about events in your life or people in your life that you wish was different, better, more. That basically is what grief is.
1: Great. Did you guys get that? might need to put your...
3: Okay. Um, basically a grief is a normal natural reaction to loss. And it's also, if you've looked at any relationship or event in your life that you wish was different, better or more. That's
1: great. So I, I actually put this up here on the slide for us. So, you know, you're looking back and you're asking, you know, what do I wish was different, better or more? A natural response to any type of loss. And I, and I think, I think all of us could probably go back and look at our life and, and, and say, okay, there's some things back in my life that I wish were different, better, or more. And I think a lot of us sometimes can get to this point where it's like, oh, well, you know, but my past makes me who I am now. I'm proud of my past and all this kind of stuff. But in the depth of your mind sometimes, you know that there's some things from your past that you're like, man, I wish that could have been different. I wish that could have been – I wish that would have happened more of or that would have been better. You guys follow me on this train of thought here? And so um, in, in this definition, Sherry, is this um, – I think that the challenge, the challenge for us as we're trying to follow Jesus, how do we take this and process this with God? Does that make sense? So that's kind of what we're going to try to discover here today. Um, in your observation, does grief affect everyone or is it just certain people?
3: No, it definitely affects everyone. I mean, you actually start going through grief as a child. I um, mean, a lot of people don't realize that, that that's actually where it starts, and it goes through, and it, it changes, and it definitely becomes unique and individual for every person as they go into adulthood.
1: Gotcha. Susan, did you want to add anything to this? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> um, what are, when you think about, okay, so if everyone has this type of, grief, we may not know it. What are some signs or some, uh, how do we know that we may be going through uh, some grief?
3: And um, for me, because I had a lot of um, relationships, especially with my dad and men and in my family that built up a lot of lack of trust. Um, I lost trust at a very early age. And so at the time I didn't realize that that was me actually experiencing grief um because it started to manifest itself in other ways. Um, I avoided relationships I didn't have friendships probably till about a few years ago where I really gave mm. my heart to people um, and that was a fight in itself and so I avoided relationships I avoided you know having conversations with people I um, isolated myself a lot It was either from work to back home or from school to back home I didn't have conversations or really reached out to um, And then that led to other things like depression and um, thinking about hurting myself or others, um, to even like obsessive behaviors, you know, overreactions like with food. Um, At one time as a teenager, I didn't eat a whole lot. I actually became anorexic. And now it's like having an obesity um, as part of my life and dealing with that, but also just, you know, money, you know, wanting to spend a lot. We Mm -hmm. call it um, retail therapy. Um, Just wanting that that, that item like I want (laughs) to feel better, so I'm going to go get that, Mm. you know, and that that causes a lot of financial problems and can lead us into debt. You know, those credit cards, Um, you know, and it affects not only us, but it could affect our kids and and our spouses and everybody else around us. And and lastly, even currently right now, you know, just going through, you know, dealing with hoarding, hoarding of items. Mm. Um, Again, we could have a lot of these different things, even addictions. As Edmund was talking about, you know, going into alcohol, you know, drugs, um, whatever we do to basically replace the loss.
1: So it's kind of a, a, a numbing. Like you're doing, you're doing something else to replace something that right, you're, you're numbing, not wanting to you're deal with. You're
3: avoiding <laughs> anything to deal with the grief or the pain that you're going through. And yep. so that creates a stuffing, and then that creates other issues on, down the line.
1: Gotcha. How many of us may agree that some of us are in a lot of debt because of retail therapy? You don't have to admit it. That's rhetorical. You don't have to confess and be open here. (laughs) Just be open with your discipleship partner or your accountability partner or your spouse. You know, but the truth is, this is an area where we, you know, many, many will go shopping and spend money to replace, not dealing with whatever loss they're looking back at. You guys follow me on that? Um, I want to read a verse here just to kind of illustrate some of this. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, I think this proverb is an observation about life. Um, that hope deferred, kind of the, the, the stuff that we put to the side, hope deferred, something that didn't happen, expectation that was missed or that could have been better, makes the heart sick. Unresolved hurt. Hope deferred, unresolved hurt, unresolved issues, makes the heart sick, and then is unable then to be able to live a life really uh, to the full that God has prepared and called us to. Um, Susan, why don't we ask you here? What what do you think when you think about grief? Because you you've gone you've gone through uh, this program, correct? I've but gone
0: through grief recovery twice.
1: Twice, okay. And I've
0: done therapy three times, so okay. I've done some work.
1: <laughs> all right so when I even in light of this scripture and when you think about grief uh, in general how does because we're talking about getting unchained you know yeah. so if I'm going to try to get unchained it, it it implies that I'm chained by something so how does grief uh, keep us chained down
0: sure I think it starts when we're young um, we're disappointed or we suffer losses uh, we develop a pattern of thinking or doing things to deal with those things, and we're not prepared to deal with them ourselves, so we manufacture ways of doing that. I know for me, I manufactured a way of turning to shopping. I was a shopaholic before I became a Christian and still even part of my Christian walk. Uh, From the time I turned 16 and I got my first job and my first checking account, I'd go shopping uh, knowing that my check was going to bounce I would purchase an item and pay the overdraft fee, um, thinking, well, at least I got the item. It's in my possession now. So I used to go Christmas shopping and buy one thing for someone and two things for me. So this was a way of life for many <laughs> years. Um, Black, uh, Black Friday was, you know, the best day of the year for me um, in some ways. So, and no one could hang with me, you know, to do all that shopping. Um, You know, another thing that I struggled with a lot was uh, eating issues. And um, there was a time before I was a Christian when I um, would only eat certain foods, um, only very healthy, low-calorie foods. And then I'd um, get out of control with my eating, and then I'd go work out for hours to compensate. And it was a horrible, chained feeling, you know, just to be um, controlled by something – that shouldn't be controlling me. So um, I became a Christian at the age of 27. And at that time, I had a dream to become a psychologist. And I thought, wow, I found the answer. I think I just need to help people become Christians, and then they won't have any problems anymore. And uh, that's what I have to do. So I don't have to go to grad school anymore. you know. <laughs> and so after a year or two, I started noticing my brothers and sisters really struggling, and I saw people who were avoiding parts of their heart that were negative or the things they didn't want to face and dealing with all kinds of heartache because of it, um, falling away because of it, and I realized, kind of like what Edmund was saying, we're saved at baptism, but the healing only begins at that point. Um, So through the many years of being a Christian, many years of doing deep work on my heart, I've you know, been able to grow tremendously to where I eat when I'm hungry. I finish. I stop eating when I'm full. Um, you know, I went to the store to buy a gift and I walked out without anything for myself. You know, so these are um, tremendous uh, victories, um, but they wouldn't have come without uh, exploring areas of my heart that were hard to deal with and face.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that that, that you mentioned this this idea of You know, at baptism, we're saved, but the healing begins right there. It doesn't mean that you're healed, and so I think a lot of us sometimes think that. Well, I'm saved now. I got. I'm I'm good to go. But then we realize why we. Then it's hard to understand why we're having such a hard time in relationships with people,
0: yeah.
1: Connecting in our small group, or, um, you know, connecting with God even, uh, because there's unresolved hurts. And I think this is a huge concept for us to get is that, yes, baptism saves us, but it doesn't necessarily heal us. Uh, the healing comes um, with the Holy Spirit and with the community of believers and with extra resources like this, like really exploring uh, what's going on in the heart. One of the uh, brothers mentioned one time, you know, um, you, will, you will love as much as you've been healed, So, in other words, if I'm if I'm getting more healing in my heart, I'm able to then connect and be able to love others accordingly and even more. Um, So I just thought that was a kind of cool concept as well. But I think this is a big I think for us as disciples, as Christians, this is kind of a big idea that healing takes time. And it doesn't happen at baptism. We need forgiveness, we need salvation. But then after that, man, we've got a bunch of issues to deal with and work on. And this is where exploring some of these things that you're mentioning. um, I'm sure Chris is happy that you're not a shopaholic anymore, (laughs) so that's good. Um, I want to read – anybody – you guys want to mention anything about how grief chains us down? Anything, Edmund or Sherry, you want to share? That's good? Okay, cool. Uh, I want to read another verse here. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 15 to so see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We've used this verse in different contexts, in different ways. Uh, I think a lot of times as Christians we focus on the see to it part. Like, I need to see to it. I need to get you know get involved. Um, but the, the part I want to focus on a little bit is uh, the idea of missing God's grace. Um, man, we, we, we can come to a point where we're missing God's grace and we have a bitter root that starts growing. Um, and so when you think about this verse and you think about grief and these kind of things, what what are some things, Susan, that maybe come to mind, uh, how this verse applies?
0: You know, I'm reminded of another passage, um, he, also in Hebrews 12. Um, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And that talks about throwing off everything that hinders us in our race. And I think that so many things stop us and slow us down from living life to the full. Um, so that's the scripture that comes to mind for me to support this as well, but um Something that can happen too is that bitter roots can um, come up in our childhood, can come up during opportune times, um, and the enemy plant allows those seeds to grow. If we don't um, deal with the truth of what's happening, um, you know the losses that we're experiencing. Um, I have another scripture. One of my favorite scriptures is John four twenty three. It says. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And so God desires that we are truthful um, and humble and honest um, about where our hearts are at. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you're in God's grace, there is a peace to that, right? Yeah. There is a, a, a peace, a sense of, man, this, God's got me. It's going to be okay. Okay. But I think a lot of times what happens is that when we allow this bitter root to grow up, to grow within us, it's hard to experience God's grace as well. And we miss out on this peace. And, you know, it's funny how we're doing Financial Peace University, uh, but how much money, even the conversation of money, can bring up a bitter root. Um, And so... And, and the, the, the thought here, we, we, we miss out then. We're unable to, unresolved pain can lead to a bitter root, which then causes us to miss out on God's grace. Um, I want to talk with Edmund for a few minutes here. You know, when you think about grace, I mean, grace, grief, when you think about grief, uh, how does grief relate to uh, addiction? Is the mic on?
4: Oh, okay, there, there go. we go. I think just what Susan was saying and also this um, the scripture that we read earlier, or this one, it says bitter root. Like it, it's all about uh, when we talk about addiction. Deep down inside of us when we were young, there's something. There's, there's a root. Something happened, a loss, something that we couldn't figure out. But it, it's there. That happened to us when we were young, and um, definitely uh, a good meaning of addiction is like uh, it's. Uh, I wrote it actually somewhere. It's like it's it's like unhealthy primary relationship with a person, object, or event that is designed to produce a desired mood swing. I don't know if everyone got that. Um, it says primary and healthy primary relationship with a person object or event that is designed to produce a desired mood swing so i think it's probably safe to say that we're all kind of addicted on something at some point right because we do things at to change our mood we come home we veg out like oh let me just relax let me I had a hard day. It's like something to change our mental uh, thinking. But for addiction, for for what I we're, were doing, it's uh, for addicts. We resolve to drugs, alcohol, and any other form. Like it could be uh, prescription drugs. Um, and there's a scripture that I I love and share. It's, it's on Romans seven fourteen to twenty five. I know probably a lot of us are uh, familiar with it. It just talks about when we want to do good, evil is right there with us. As much as a good heart, like when we get baptized, we want to do good. We want to get rid of all these things that are going on in our life, but we seem powerless uh, with it. It's like we can't do anything until we grieve properly, until we uh, dig deep down inside our heart and and just deal with that sin or with that loss that we have. So that's
1: Yeah. It. Yeah, so. and so if I am – so let's say uh, if somebody is dealing with addiction and grief and kind of they want to try, okay, I need to work on this, some of my unresolved issues, but I'm also uh, addicted to alcohol right now or, or a chemical substance, What what should a person deal with first, mm. the grief aspect or the – Addiction aspect and what is your
4: kind of like chicken and egg? Which one do we yeah. do it right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess again for people, uh, probably all of us, addiction covers a lot of things. It could be shopping, could be uh, like just relationship, workaholic, working. Uh, people we do a lot of things, but for the sake of chemical recovery, like uh, for the sake of mind-altering substances, I think um, it's better that, such as drugs, alcohol, nicotine, for me, I need to have stability on myself, I need to know that I, okay, I can process emotion, I could do things, I understand what I'm dealing with, because uh, it's, I do the things that we I do before to numb it out, to not feel anything, to escape. So for me to deal with grief, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's say um, an addict just used a couple of days ago. He took marijuana or drank or some drugs. If he's going to come in two days later, he's still medicated. He's still yeah. on that power of that chemical then yeah. whatever you learn it's really not there it's not you can't give out because i think one thing probably that it's important with grief is we take responsibility yeah as an addict and as a user at the least i don't take responsibility for anything so i'm always the victim i'm always hey woe is me i was hurt i was abused i was uh, that person look at me differently yeah i mean everything but there's still way that we could take responsibility because there's two sides we can't do sometimes we can't do what was done but there's steps that we could do in our own to take responsibility for our welfare yeah and so that's one of them is yeah take, just taking responsibility and attending classes or being around people being open um uh, and also that uh, there's one thing to do is we're willing to dig deep down for grief, and as a an addict, it's it's hard to do that. So I think it's kind of safe to say in general, not a hundred percent, but if you're dealing with chemical recovery, I think it's better to deal with that a little early, like first, yeah, so that you're equipped. To, to deal with the grief after and the emotions that you're going to feel is, is the right one. and yeah. You could That's good. move on.
1: Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Edmund. Amen.
4: Awesome. Awesome,
1: awesome stuff. Um, I want to read another, uh, one more verse here. <coughs> Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. And Solomon wrote this and he's making an observation about life. He says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. So this is an interesting observation and um, that Solomon makes here in the Bible. And I think as a Christian, we are taught... You know, we've got to be joyful and be fired up and happy and smiling. How's it going, bro? I'm going great. You know, and and we have and, and if you're doing if you're not doing so so well, if you're kind of sad that day, it's kind of like, bro, what's up? Let's go pray. Or, or you, know, it's we get this kind of training in our in our human interactions in our uh, with one another. And but yet the Bible says this very interesting observation here that it's better. Uh, it's the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. So how do I take this as a Christian and reconcile it with, well, I'm supposed to, I, I thought I was supposed to be fired up. And being fired up and zealous and outwardly, you know, extrovert. that's what being a disciple is all about, you know. How, how do I take this and sort of reconcile that as a Christian? Okay.
0: Hello. Okay. Um I think I mean later later on down in that same chapter, it says uh whoever fears God will avoid all extremes and I think um I think God just wants us like and also in Ecclesiastes three it says here's a here's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. um I think that God wants us to be whole people, you know not not faking it um. We were made in God's image, and God has every emotion. He created the emotions. Um, He didn't create them for us to only have some of them. Um, Jesus himself um, was overcome with sorrow, you know, to the point of death, and uh, he wept, and he felt all these emotions as well. David was a wonderful example of um, going to God with all of his heart and telling God, you know, everything, you know, and I think David's, uh, when I started reading the Bible, I think uh, David's Psalms were so inspiring to me because in my particular experience, I'm not saying everyone's um, experience was this way, but my experience being raised as a Catholic was um, one in which I was taught to go fix myself and then go to God. Um, Likewise, in my family uh, upbringing, it was like, just perfect yourself and then present yourself to society or whoever. And, uh, you know, that's not what God desires for us. He wants us to come to him, um, you know, when we're weary and burdened, you know. And he'll give us rest and um, come to us with our, our entire being um, and be able to get healed by him. That's great.
1: Thanks, for sharing, Sherry, you want to add to that? Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, I think um, very similar along the lines of what Susan just said. You know, we do have to learn to just be um, open and vulnerable. Um, A lot of us have been through a lot of things since we were children. Um, I know I was a product of abuse from my dad and and molestation into, you know, I also went through a rape as a a, a young adult. And I know that if I, it took me getting open to that to really feel the freedom Mm. from being able to mourn and tell someone, hey, this is affecting my life. Um, And I think... I'm grateful for that all of us have been an example of being able to go through our own process and have people in our lives that didn't judge us and criticize us for it, but allowed us to mourn and allow us to have this time and still do. And again, like, you know, it's true. Like we have those conversations and that word, you know, Oh, I'm fine. is said a lot, you know, but that's feelings inside, not expressed. Mm -hmm. And when we stay in that place and when we stay and we choose to, you know, basically stay in that bubble, you know, we're not getting wisdom we're not getting direction um we're not even getting clarity like Edmund was saying is it takes you got to get to that point but if you're not like reaching out um that is just going to keep you in a place where it isn't real yeah and um it, it, that's when you get you stay in the stuck
1: so are you saying next time you ask me how i'm doing and i say fine
3: I'm going to ask you more questions. You're going to ask me more questions? I am. Because there's feelings. The whole conversation. I I
1: stayed stuck on that. Feelings inside not expressed. Yeah. Get it? Spells fine. Get it? All right. Um, So, got to be careful with that. Next time somebody says, How are you doing? You say, Fine. Well, how are you really doing? How many of you guys have had a conversation or a friend like that? So, I I don't know if you have, but I know for myself, I I remember a friend of mine. I always – I love talking to him, but then I sometimes want to avoid him in the fellowship because I knew if he cornered me, I would start, like, confessing all my sin or just searching the depth of my heart to share something because he's just asking me the questions. It wasn't a, how you doing, bro? Oh, I'm doing great. And this, you know, good, 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 good. It was like, bro, how you really doing, though? And it was like, well, let me evaluate myself here. How am I – and, you know, for men, that's a very difficult thing to do. It sometimes takes us more than a few minutes to sit there and, like, figure out exactly what we're feeling. Uh, so you guys have a friend like that? Anybody have a friend like that? That's just How are you really doing? Um, so I like that, though. Feelings. Ex- feelings. What is it? Feelings.
3: Feelings inside not expressed.
1: Feelings inside not expressed. That's good. I, I really love this verse. I think it's um, I think for a lot of us in our Christianity, we can become the fired-up Christian, the extrovert, everything's great on the outside Christian, but nothing's really getting dealt with in the heart. And I think what the, what the scripture is calling us to is to be okay with dealing with pain, be okay with dealing with, with, with issues, with sadness, and and that it is the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The, the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. When you're fine, fine, fine for months at a time, um there may be something deeper that you're not really wanting to talk about yeah. and deal with, and some of us will be like, "No, oh, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm totally fine, I'm totally fine," and then you hear something or you hear a song in the car on the way to work or something like that, and it just like, just starts gushing out, and I think all of us have had moments like that, and so we see the reality that God points out: it, it, it's okay to be in the house of mourning. This is a good thing. Um, Sherry, why don't you keep speak to this for a few minutes here? What, what are some of the myths of grief?:
3: um, Again, this is, um, starts at a young age. and there's six basic myths that um, starts for a young, and, and one of them is like we learn to grieve alone. Um, sometimes it's we've come back from a really rough day at school and we're crying, and you know maybe our dad or mom goes, "Well, if you, you want to cry, go to your room. Oh, well, yeah. you know I don't want to see you for crying." Um, and so that's something that a lot of times we're taught, you know, um, you know we're sent to the office when we're upset. Um, and so grieving alone just, again, that results in isolation and just starting to avoid relationships. Um, another one is, is, you know, that goes along the line of this is don't feel bad. Again, don't feel bad. You know, you'll get the other relationship. Or don't feel bad that other job opportunity will come along. It's okay, and then they tap you on the shoulder know and again we have a tendency to stop our feelings and um, that's a myth because again you're just stuffing and it will come out in some way in the long run Um, replacing the loss we've talked about this a lot already whether it be food um, shopping um, you know relationships Um, I did that with you know men in my life a lot Um, work we just replace instead of dealing Um, again keeping busy um, I was even really good at this in the church. Like I would serve and serve and serve, and everybody would be like, Sherry, you're such a great person. And really what I was doing is I was keeping myself busy so I didn't have to have those conversations. Yeah. Um, and then just going into, you know, being strong for others. You know, some of us are put in a position, whether it's with our family members or people in the church, where we feel like we got to take on their journey. We have to take on their, you know, the responsibility, and it's, it's not true. Um, you know, we we can't be strong for others and, and stop avoiding our own feelings. And then lastly is, is, like, give it time. And what that's like is, is it's kind of like if you were sitting here with an open wound, are you just going to sit there and go, okay, in time it's going to heal? Well, no. What you're going to do is you're going to go to the hospital. You're going to go get stitches. You're going to go get – you can't just give it time when it comes to even an emotional wound as well because, Good. again, they're just not going to – it's not going to – Resolve itself by just sitting there.
1: That's great. Yeah. That's very helpful. I appreciate Sherry sharing some of these things because I think uh, yeah, I know for myself um, I, I've I've gone through all of those. Oh, I can I can deal with this on my own. I got this, you know. Or I'll just keep myself busy because uh, I'm giving. I'm giving. I'm giving, and I don't have to deal with anything. Go go go. And I think these are some myths, right? Because I'm not really trying to deal with what may be underlying. That I don't want to deal with things that I don't want to deal with, so I cover it up with other things. And so I appreciate uh, you sharing these things. I, I do think that one of the things that Sherry shared right now about grieving alone is such a big deal. Uh, and I do want to share. I, th- I think for us as a family of believers here, we've got to we've got to see the benefit of being in community with each other. Yeah. Uh, we need each other. We need relationships. We cannot do Christianity alone. We cannot grieve alone. We need groups. We need relationships. We need uh, one another. So I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Um, I want to close out here with just a, a question for all three of you guys to <coughs> excuse me, uh, for all three of you guys to um, um, share. But you know, we have different people, different uh, backgrounds coming into church today, and so let's say we have a Christian that's, you know, we have a uh, somebody who's been a Christian for a long time uh, here and. Uh, they're like, well, I got the Holy Spirit. I just got to pray through it. I'm going to be fine, you know, and um, I'm just going to serve and I'm just going to do what I need to do because I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord and this is how I deal with my grief. You know, you got that person here. You don't have to raise your hands. Um, but then you got, you, you know, you, you maybe have a, a guest who's here with us today and and just the first time here and they're, trying to figure out like jesus and god and but then they're this is stirring up some things in their life and they're realizing wow I, i've got some things i've never really questioned or dealt with um then you got people here that are just kind of well you know this is great it doesn't really hit me but you know amen it helps my wife you know <laughs> you got some people like that so In in any case of where we're at, what are some words, what would you say to someone here today who just, you know, who just needs a little bit of hope? Um, How would you share hope in moving forward in terms of grieving, the grieving grieving processes? You want to start? Susan, you want to start? Sure. Um,
0: I think first and foremost, remembering that grieving is a community event, you know, and our every inclination is to want to isolate and do it ourselves, um, but and there are moments for that, but I think don't do it exclu- exclusively on your own. I, I'm thinking about, about 12 years ago when my father passed away, and I was a Christian for about two years at that point, and um, there were moments I didn't even want to pray, and I had to be humble and ask my roommates, look, will you pray with me, please, because I'm not going to do it by myself. And so... I had to borrow faith from others, and I think that um, likewise, as we overcome anything, any kind of loss or any kind of issue, we need one another. And Satan wants us to believe that we can do it on our own, but that's not how we were created to heal. Um, We were created to heal uh, going to God and and helping one another. you know, I, I read it earlier, but Hebrews 12:1 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And if you think I thought about this scripture and I thought, how can you throw off everything that hinders by yourself? Like if you're hindered with a big load on your back, there's no way I can throw it off by myself. I need one person on each corner of that sack of grain to throw it up off yeah. me. You know, so I need a team of people to help me. And I think I think all of us do. Um, So I think uh, and also as you are figuring out what to do to um, if you want to get some kind of help, uh, just anything that's truth based, you know, uh, grief recovery is truth based. There's a lot of great therapies out there that are truth based, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that. And just speaking to insightful Christians, um, books that that are written with the truth of the scriptures in mind, they can all be very, very helpful.
1: That's great. Thanks, Susan. Amen. Sorry?
3: Um, I, I think for me, and, and I kind of want to talk twofold because um, there's the people that are going through grieving, and then there's the people who are supporting them. And they both have a valuable um, asset to this question of giving hope. And one, you know, it, as a person who's going through grief, it takes a lot of courage. And a lot of times we don't get that we actually do have that. Hmm. Um, but again, we try to take these such big steps. And it goes back to what Susan just said is whatever decision you make to how you're going to go after grieving, it's okay to go at your pace. Yeah. It's okay to go at um, the process that you trust to start that. Um, you don't have to take on what everybody thinks you have to be. You know, you go with what is in your heart. And for you that do have a relationship with God, wherever he's giving you clarity to go. And for you that don't, you know, again, that's – If that's not the place for you to start, that's okay. You know, we can start with grief recovery therapy, whatever else that is out there, you know, chemical recovery, groups like that. You know, if if it's support you need to start at, do that. For the people who are supporting the people going in grief, again, you have to be willing to take your own journey as well. Um, And, again, not, um, you know, transfer, but be willing to work out your grieving process in order to help others, and that's okay as well. Again, we have to realize that our, our, you know, our process, our trust, you know, our levels of trust are all different, you know, from everybody else. And just to, you know, be wise in that, you yeah. know, as you're taking the steps.
1: Amen. Thanks, Edwin.
4: Well, it's simple to say, but if I could make it, anyone could make it. Probably, <laughs> this is easy. Amen. But um, just with uh, seriousness, it's like um, there's something that uh, that we all deal with that we all have, that we could help us, is the Bible. The scripture, uh, it says on um, First Peter, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Amen. It is possible to change. For someone like me, Just, I just got to tell my story. I ha- uh, I'm married for 20 years. I got that right. I got two kids, a father. That would never happen. Um, I, My grandfather has... Three was my dad, has three was. I'm an addict since I was 13. I started doing all of that, but through time and process of people, it could happen. Um, there's a couple more scriptures that we, we that I usually hold dear with. Is, um, is one thing is on First Timothy, it says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I have shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, I'm sorry, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who who believe in him and receive eternal life. Sorry about that. Um, But there's also a scripture, wherever you're at uh, in your life, uh, in Jeremiah It talks, 18, 1 to 11, it just talks about um, the potter's house, right? We're all broken uh, when a potter is molding something. Sometimes it doesn't give way, it breaks. But God is the potter, and he creates us to another vessel perfect for him. And sometimes we feel like, oh, man, I'm messed up, I'm abused, I'm an addict. I can't do anything for God. No. no. That's the most the power is that life. If you live it with God it could help us. And also um, even I know anyone probably could relate is the scripture says in Proverbs where Solomon said um, all has been heard. This is Solomon. King Solomon. He have done everything riches pleasure. But he said all that matters is a relationship with God, following that. And as a person, a human being in here, we all fall for that. Our iniquities, our sin have cut, uh, separated us from God. That in itself is a loss. So uh, whether we admit it or not, there's a grief somewhere there that we're trying to replace. And if you know what they said, you get help where, you, where you're at, be open and you could heal. Like We're all forgiven, but let's heal together Man. as a group. So That's great. That's good stuff.
1: I want to thank uh, Sherry and Susan and Edmund uh, for being here today and sharing these things. Um, let's give them a big round of applause here. They, they, they It was some good, good stuff here. And um, I really appreciate their vulnerability and them willing to share uh, some of the things from their own life. Um, And I just want to encourage you, um, you know, I don't know where you're at, how you're feeling and these kind of things. But if there's something that you feel like, man, I just need a little bit extra help in this, understanding this. I want to encourage you. Talk to one of those guys. Talk to Sherry. Talk to Susan. Talk to Edmund. Talk to any of your discipling uh, partnerships. Talk about these kind of things and uh, let's heal. I love what Edmund just said about healing uh, together. We're going to take communion here. I want to read a verse to just get our minds focused uh, on communion as we take communion. Uh, But in Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're going to take communion, and as we take communion, I want us to consider Jesus, to be able to come to Jesus. You ever felt weary and burdened? Come to Jesus. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. He says, I will give you rest. It's an incredible promise that we have from Jesus himself that we can find rest. We can find healing. We can find Uh, refreshing in Jesus. We don't have to numb ourselves out. He provides a way out. He provides relationships. He provides his community of believers, of followers, to help us get through unresolved issues. And and I want to encourage us to take this and combine it with the Ecclesiastes 7 scripture about it is wise to be in the house of mourning and the and the and the fool is in the house of pleasure, to kind of combine the two and say, okay, it it's it's okay to feel pain, and I can do this. I can process this with Jesus. He's actually calling me to bring that to Him, and then to be able to trust in Him. And I will find rest. Isn't that an incredible promise? I want to speak to something just real brief before we pray. Um, So this past week was our election. And I don't know how you feel about it. Some of you may come in here feeling weary and burdened. Um, I have – I just want to speak to this real quick because I feel like as a Christian, we've got to be very careful during this time to be a light to the world, To not to, to, to bring all of our weariness and all of our burdens to Jesus, not to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, but to Jesus and let Him lead us and through us be a light to the world. I'm concerned about Christians who are so passionate about speaking the truth in regards to their opinion regarding the election, but not that passionate to share scriptures and preach the word of God on social media. If you were as passionate as you are about the election, you'd have a friend with you right here. This room would be packed with people listening to the gospel because his Christians, his followers are representing Christ. Who, as the song we sang, is our king. You are my king. I just want us to be careful. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everybody's entitled to their thoughts. But if we're going to use social media as a forum to express these things, and not a phone call, I've seen Christians who know each other get in debates online instead of just calling each other to talk it through. We have an incredible platform in social media to be able to be a light to the world during this time that can, for many can be difficult, confusing, victorious, whatever they may, everybody may be feeling. People have ask me, Ruben, how come you haven't said anything or posted anything? Well, I just, I know better. As a minister of the Lord, I'm not going to get caught up in this mess. My role is to focus us on God. If you're, going to come, if you're going to come here and start gloating and boasting to each other about, oh, yeah, finally, you know, or coming over here like, oh, this guy or this girl, you know, and have all these debates, let, let's bring this to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I could use some rest. And he is the only one that provides that rest. Can we, church, be a light to the world this week? And any conversation that you get into in regards to the election and politics, can you bring it back to Jesus some way, somehow? And represent him, be an ambassador for him, and share your faith? Invite somebody with you to hear the gospel preached and proclaimed? Study the Bible with your friends? Can we change the conversation a little bit? Now, I don't want to deny the reality. There is a reality that people feel, all this kind of stuff. There is a reality to all these things. Let's be understanding. Let's love people. Let's serve people. I'll tell you, the best thing that we could do is probably go down and serve the, serve, serve the poor, feed the hungry. Do the things that we as Christians are called to do. We're going to pray for communion right now. I just want to call us to be the church that God expects us to be That Jesus laid down his life for. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this time to remember Jesus. Thank you so much for the bread that represents the body of Christ. And the juice that represents his blood. Thank you for the sins that have been forgiven. Father, we don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your forgiveness. We We don't deserve you. And yet you have laid down everything. For us, you are our Lord. You are our King. Help us, God, to see that. No, no, no political figure will ever change the world as much as your Son ever did. Jesus Christ is Lord, and if we take this, help us to reflect and remember to come to Him. If we're feeling weary, or if we're feeling burdened, even if some of the things that were shared today from our panel stirred some things up in terms of things that we may not have dealt with. I pray that we can bring these things to you, that you will provide rest, and that we can start talking to each other and helping one another be more and more like your son Jesus. We love you. We honor you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
2: All right, this time we're going to take up an offering. Uh, this is something we do every week. It's part of the worship that we do every Sunday, part of singing. It's part of getting into the Word. It's all part of worship. And I want to read a verse here. You don't have to turn there. But in Mark 12, Jesus talks about uh, sort of the offering that was, take, that was taking place. And this is what he said. He goes, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And really, when I read this verse, I'm like, wow, this woman had a lot of faith. Right, she had a lot of faith to give, really all that she had, and this wasn't even to the Christian church at the time. This was to the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, temple. So it's kind of interesting that uh, you know, even even with the under the Jewish law, she was still giving sacrificially. Um, so my takeaway is, is that we need to we need to give in faith when we're giving today, whether you give online or you give actual money in the plate that's being passed, that we have to have a we have to have faith when we give. So uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Really, this just an incredible opportunity to give back to you, Father. Help us to couple our uh, giving with faith. Uh, help it be a sacrificial offering. And uh, we know that even as Jesus was watching, watching back then, He is watching now. So, God, please honor this time. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to have a few announcements here uh, while the uh, trays are being passed, the baskets are being passed. Um, Last year, we did a Dads and Lads campout, and some of you went, and it was a lot of fun. This year, we're going to do a Dads and Lads day hike. So if you're a dad and you have a lad, well I want to encourage you to come out. It's going, we're going to meet at the Carl's Jr. right up the street off of Carson at 8 a.m., uh, and then we're going to caravan to Crystal Cove in Laguna Beach. So it's going to be a really cool time to you know, disconnect from the Xbox and the smartphone and the YouTube and go out and really enjoy some fellowship in uh, the um, real live creation that God has given us. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so if you want to come check this out, please give me a call. Um, I want to kind of get a head count and just see who's coming and whatnot. Also, as far as how old your son should be, I mean, maybe maybe four, four and up maybe, because it's going to be a hike. It's, it, it, you know, it's up to you, though. So but please give me a call. My number, I think, is on the... Uh, Hopefully, it was on the, uh, the slide. Hopefully, I put my number on there. Can you back it up one more time? Is my number on there? Matt? Nope, no number. It's not. Great. Well, my number is 562 715 2174. 562 715 2174. So please give me a call if you want to come check it out also we have the gem ministry the uh, guest experience ministry please sign up for that there's a booth outside and also we are selling tickets for the uh new year's eve dinner that we're going to have every year um it's a caribbean theme we're gonna have food trucks we are going to have a nacho bar it's gonna be awesome uh so you can start buying tickets for that outside uh, in the uh, foyer so we have one more song thanks can i have everyone rise for one last song
0: listening to the greater long beach podcast for more information about our church please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com